0: Hey guys, welcome to the next bonus episode in our Indie Author Spotlight for the week. So grateful once again to Matt Brown for allowing me to read this and share this with you guys. I'll tell you what, I'm really digging this story so far, so I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you are, make sure to hit up Matt on Twitter and on his website, and those links are down in the description below or also at the blog, and let him know that you're enjoying this. I know as a creator myself that nothing makes me happier than hearing from people that enjoy my work, so just go pay that compliment to Matt. Uh, He's doing great work over there, putting his heart and soul into it, and uh, yeah, I think it'd be awesome if you told him that you heard about this on Another World, and uh, yeah, let's spread the love. And again, if you're tuning in and you're like, what the heck is going on here? Where's Treasure Island? Don't worry. Treasure Island will be back again on Sunday, but we're doing these indie author spotlights in the middle of the week just as some bonus content for you guys. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, without further ado, I give you the next two chapters of Valkyrie. Chapter 3. Wolf stepped into the lodge. The grand hall was just as he remembered. The hearth across the room was larger than life, with great logs that Shuet had no doubt hauled in from around back. He looked at the banners hanging from the rafters and smiled. Two arrows intertwined with the longsword, it was their standard, one that had made the rangers well known throughout Sokoros. His own hung on the far wall, along with Shuet's and Eriks'. Shuet hung higher than the rest. This was his lodge, after all. It was a simple warhammer with a bushel of white fern standing behind it. The banner itself was blue, and dye not easy to come by this far north. Eriks was a stag head. The head was black, and the banner a drab grey. Eric was always one for simplicity. Judging by the faint smell of roast bear, he was in the kitchens. You always were the best cook I ever knew. Wolf turned to his own banner. It was red, with a wolf's head emblazoned on it. He never wanted one, but the laws of the rangers were absolute. All the leaders were required to have one. He glanced at the tables. There were ten in the central area, with two more up the stairs at the far sides of the hall. Judging by their placement, Eric must have brought them in. They were meticulously placed and evenly spaced. I bet I could get a tailor's thread and wouldn't find them a centimeter off. It was strange to see so many had been brought in. No less than twenty rangers ever sat here at evening meal, if that. As it looked, the hall could fit eighty-four. Shewitt was up to something. Wolf, have you been my old friend? Wolf turned to face Shewitt. He'd grown fat, though he was sure that wouldn't impede his prowess with a war hammer hanging from his belt. Hints of grey showed in his friend's beard and hair. I've been well, old friend. I see there are more trophies than I remember. The broad smile on his friend's face said that he was still fit enough to hunt. I can't take all the credit, wolf. We help the Tans folk as much as they help us. Sheward replied. It was true. That was their way. People came from all over Sokoros and beyond to the lodges scattered across the country. Trackers, hunters, and bounty men. These were just some of the jobs the rangers did. In Sokoros, trade was the currency. Abroad... Gold was the price, and a high one. So why all the tables? His friend's face grew grim. I've sent out a calling. Wolf thought his heart might stop. You did what? This is beyond absurd. Well, there had to be a reason, it still didn't change the fact of how stupid a decision it was. Shu held his hands up and stepped back. Wolf, please, calm down. "'You know how the other Thrawn will react to a calling,' he replied. "'We aren't an army or the Blades. "'We hold allegiance to no one. "'Our neutrality between the ruling Thrawn "'is what allows us the autonomy we fought for centuries ago. "'Wolf, shut up and listen to the man.' "'That was definitely Eric.' "'Wolf turned toward the door leading to the kitchen. "'Eric was just as tall as he remembered, "'but looked as if he'd gained a bit of muscle. "'He was dressed plainly, but wore an apron.' His pale white skin, a telltale sign that he was blooded. The blue tribal paints normally adorning his face and arms had changed. The paints were a practice among the people of his village. Wolf read the markings and bit his lip. He's in mourning. Don't even utter a word about it, Eric said, his white frosty eyes hard and empty. Wolf nodded. So why has this decision been made without me? We couldn't get a message to you. We had to send one of our own to track you. Eric replied. The laws state we only need two for a ruling in a crisis. Wolf looked to Shuit. Crisis? Victor has called the throne together. He has also requested the druids and rangers be in attendance. Shuit explained. Wolf felt the hairs on his neck stand on end. How many are coming? All of them Eric chimed in, taking a seat at the closest table. He is claiming that he has made a discovery that will benefit all succorings, and that this time the entire country stand united. With him as king, I assume? Victor had been trying for years to find a way to make himself High Thron, a title the Warlord made himself. Everyone knew he sold White Fern to whomever would buy it, distilled or not. We are certain that's his motive. He's already expelled every ranger from his domain, Eric commented. He's even taken my lodge. Eric slammed his fist on the table, an audible crack sounding. Wolf winced. It was hard not to imagine a man's skull breaking under that fist. Eric was what his own kind considered pure. Their ancestry in relation to frost giants was the strongest. Pure were rarer than the blooded themselves. Wolf looked at the markings on Eric's face. Victor had done something else. He wouldn't be wearing those over the lodge. Where is Yolva? She's never far from him. Don't tell me Victor killed her. You'd better keep the thoughts your face is speaking to yourself, Wolf, Eric warned. Shuit sighed, drawing their attention. Back to the matter at hand. They are all going, and so are we, but not before the calling is complete. There aren't enough seats for a calling, Shuit, Wolf commented. Even my own rangers are under contract. Thulum was very specific about keeping an eye on the giant's movements. We will work on it. The village council has allowed us some leeway. Shewitt said. You don't honestly believe Victor can pull this off? Shewitt glanced over toward Eric. Wolf looked between them. Even with the warmth of the hearth, the room suddenly grew cold. He stole Yolva from me, Wolf, Eric said. The way he spoke was as if she were dead. The new process for distilling white fern, it affects the mind, but won't kill you. I don't even know. There were tears in his eyes. The bastard used that cursed plant on my only daughter. Wolf took a seat across from him, bile rising in his throat. "'We can tell the Thrawn. They'll band together and stop him.' "'No, Wolf, they won't,' Shewitt chimed in. "'Think about it carefully. We benefit the most from a divided Socorros. Our freedom, our autonomy. We can work for anyone, regardless of allegiance.' They would see it as us trying to keep them divided for personal gain, Wolf replied. They would, would said. So, we have another plan. Wolf's eyes went wide. We aren't an army. We're barely three hundred strong. No, Wolf, you misunderstand, Eric said. The calling is to inform our brothers of the truth. The Rangers are our family, and one of our own has been taken. Eric, you can't. Eric stood, grabbing the table and tossing it across the lodge. He rushed Wolf. Even at seven feet, he was fast. Wolf was hefted from the floor, his eyes meeting with Eric's. He's taken my daughter into his chambers, Wolf. She believes she's in love with him. He screamed. Don't tell me what I cannot do. Wolf looked where the table had landed. It was irreparably broken into pieces. Eric, he said. Put me down now. Eric paused. Looking down at his stomach, Wolf softly tapped his knife against him. Stop this, both of you! Shuit shouted. Eric suddenly let go and started toward the kitchen. Wolf caught himself, managing to keep his balance and put his knife away. I'm not going to listen to anyone, Eric said. My mind is made up, Shuit. It was hard to watch. Eric's mind was made up. Shuit, you can't let him do this. His old friend reached out, placing a hand on his shoulder. He is the only one who can. "'None of the other Thrawn are blooded. "'As a pure, he'll be hard to stop and the only one capable of killing Victor "'before he can use his new concoction on them. "'What if he kills one of the Thrawn "'in one of his rages? "'It will mean the end of us. "'Honestly, killing Victor will end us.' "'No, it won't,' "'Shuart replied. "'Wolf's eyes went wide. "'You won't... "'We have no choice, Wolf. "'We will forswear him. "'This is too much.' All record of him ever existing will be erased. His name can never be spoken. His successful contracts and achievements burned. There wouldn't even be a grave. It was worse than death. I refuse to take part in this. You don't have to. The vote was cast, Shuit replied. Eric is doing this for us and Yova. When it is over, we will claim we had no idea. I will tell the Thron that he had been acting strangely since coming to my lodge. Had we known his grievance with Victor was so great, We never would have allowed him to represent us. "'Then you can do it alone,' Wolf replied. "'I resign my post.' Wolf turned his back, not even giving his old friend a chance to speak. He simply couldn't look at him anymore. He knew the laws. A huntsman was a lifetime position. There was no resignation. Only death could release one from such responsibility. Wolf was no coward. Suicide was a weakling's path. Exile was the only other option. He would never take another contract.' He stepped into Sokoros' cold embrace. It was like being held by the Keeper himself. In a way, it was almost poetic. He felt like he was with the dishonored dead. Their cold, agonizing cries, like from the stories, mirroring his own heart. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Chapter 4 The warmth of the room was relaxing, better than the stove and fireplace upstairs. The heat was spread more evenly, taking up the whole room. Idra soaked it in, keeping the shear steady as she took small clippings from the tea plants. The greenery, as she called it, like the rest of the house, was different from most Sikoran homes. Instead of three levels, it counted as a fourth, but dug deeper and at a sloping angle. Both the greenery and the ground level had been lined with pinewood planks and sealed in tar. There was a passage from the greenery to the ground level. Idra used a bookshelf to keep it concealed— During the summer, she and Frey would live on the ground floor. Frey's room had a path dug away from the main room. Idra's was further down. In the winter, when the snowfall was too heavy, they would live on the second floor. The ground level would be converted into storage. The main door was also sealed to keep it from flooding when the snow melted. If the winters grew too cold, she and Frey would often sleep in the greenery with the tea plants. Idra looked up at the sun orbs. They were over a decade old. Unlike their counterparts, the orbs emitted heat, not just light. Even for the north, their cost in silver was still overpriced. Edra looked up at the orbs. I shall start looking for replacements soon. There were six of them, each mounted to the ceiling. In size, they were about the size of a frost giant's fist. She glanced at her daughter and smiled. Frey looked so happy tending the tea plants. They're growing so well, aren't they, Frey? Her daughter's face lit up. Frey's beautiful smile shone brighter than the sun orbs themselves. Yarn will be happy. He said some of his plants died. Frey's smile faded, but only just a bit. Idra almost laughed. You have such a kind heart, Frey. Not many would mourn for a plant. I tried to tell him that he needed to wait a bit longer. Frey simply nodded, and continued clipping some of the leaves. They did this every few days, trimming the bushes and baking the leaves. Their supply was fairly large, but it did make the village a good deal of profit with the traders. Idra looked about the room. Twelve long tables took up most of the room's space, "'each with metal, dirt-lined pans spanning their length. "'There were a dozen tea plants in each pan, "'all of them mature. "'It had taken three long years for them to be ready. "'Mama, how come you know so much about plants?' Edra's eyes drifted to the crate in the corner "'wrapped in chains. "'She thought about their contents and her life before. "'She thought of all the books she was forced to leave behind "'and the vast knowledge within their pages. "'Many of the tomes were old, written by the Aethar, the elves who once called this land home. Before the dark times, they flourished in Sokoros, though the land had a different name then. Idra's thoughts drifted further to the life she had left behind and toward the massacre of that night. Never again. I can't go through that again. Mama? Idra blinked and looked up. Yes, little one? You have that look again, Mama, like when you have the bad dreams. Idra paused realizing she had almost clipped too much of the tea plant. It's nothing, little Sprite. Frey frowned, placed her shears on the table, and walked over, hugging her. Will you ever tell me about it? She asked. Maybe it will make you feel better. Idra's eyes suddenly stung, and she held her daughter closer. Maybe one day, little Sprite. She felt a tear wind its way down her cheek. When will that be? She asked. "'You always seem like you're looking somewhere else. "'Like when Elder Salsa is having visions.' "'Dear, Elder Salsa's visions are—' Edra simply shook her head, laughed, and squeezed Frey tighter. "'She doesn't need to know where his visions come from. "'Salsa had taken up harvesting frost shrooms. "'He even figured out how to ferment them into ale.' "'Mama?' Frey asked, looking up. "'Confusion was written all over her face. "'Nothing, dear. Let's finish up and get these leaves prepared.' The merchant will be here any day now. I promised them a good bit. Frey nodded and walked back to the table. Do you think they will have anything good for trade? Hopefully they will have plenty of thread this time. Sege promised me an entire rule, she replied. I can do a lot with the wool that Emil provides, but he only has so much to spare. Maybe we can trade for a sheep? Frey asked. Idris smiled. If we are lucky... "'Our sheep might not survive the trip this far north.' A broad smile crossed her daughter's face. "'Maybe we can trade Emil for one of his sheep, perhaps a newborn lamb.' Idra laughed. "'You just want a pet,' she winked. The look on her daughter's face confirmed her suspicions. "'You're a clever girl for your age, little sprite.' Idra gathered the last bundle and placed them in a small sack. She then walked over to a smaller table and placed them with the other sack they had prepared." "'Frey, do you think you can prepare the leaves?' "'Frey's eyes went wide. "'Do you really mean it?' "'As long as you promise not to burn them this time.' The look on Frey's face was priceless. "'I didn't burn them,' she replied, pursing her lip. Idris smiled. "'Of course not, little Sprite. Now, take the sacks upstairs and prepare the leaves like I showed you. Remember, each trade need only be heated for twenty minutes.' Frey rolled her eyes. "'I know, Mama, I know.' Well then, girl, hop to it. Idra watched her take the small sacks through the passage toward the main room. Will you still love me when you learn the truth, little Sprite? She looked toward the chain grate. I hope I am ready when that day comes, she whispered. It was hardly what he expected. For a small village, Boudir was lively. There was probably about fifty Sokorans living there, not counting children and the old. The homes looked very sturdy. Her influence was apparent. The stone wall around the village was just another sign. There was plenty of livestock, and pens were well insulated. There were even sheep, with some sort of blankets covering their bodies, and shoes for their feet. Bodvar took a long, hard look at the village. It seems all those stupid books you read, Idra, have served you well. I bet even the worst storm would knock these buildings down. Looks like she taught them how to work stone, Erold commented, pointing at the building foundations. Reminds me of the walls in Tofta. Tea trade in Sokoros was always profitable. Bodvar said wryly. I'm disappointed in her, Erold. I thought she was smarter than this. Perhaps too smart for her own good, Erold replied. Bodvar nodded. His own dark smile mirroring Harald's. He turned to Earjar and sighed. <sighs> Something wrong, Earjar? Just trying to understand why we are here, he replied. Victor won't be happy about any detours. Victor can shove his ass was his dung It was hard not to resist the urge to cut Earjar open. If not for us and the Blades, he'd just be another Thrawn scrambling for power. Army or not, any of us are better than two of his own men. Now, go take a look around. There should be a tavern here for traitors. Let us see if she's here. He couldn't shake the feeling in his stomach, no matter how hard he tried. Earjar reflexively put his hand on the hilt of the dagger at his hip. I should have never signed on. Butchers and murderers, that's all they are. Ijar began walking around the village as the others went their separate ways, counting him. There were four others who had joined the blades. He had been with them the longest. Bardvar, Arold, and Yolva stood waiting for them at the town gate. Yolva had tied the horses to an old post planted in the ground. I suppose this is better than facing the Inquisition in Absion, he mumbled. How far I've fallen. Two years on the run, all because of some petty official. It was said the Inquisition never made mistakes in their judgments, that their word was law. While they maintained order, the Senate still fought with them over the rule of law. Earjar simply sighed. Maybe Sherareth or Shah should have been my country of choice. Earjar stopped, looking up at a large sign hanging over one of the buildings. Mern's beard. How unoriginal. He started down the steps and opened the door, peering inside. The smell of spiced ale assaulted his nose as did the inviting heat of a large hearth by the far wall. The heat hit his face like a mask, warming it against the cold. Don't be shy. Come in, friend. The man behind the counter was tall, about six feet, give or take. He was stout like most Succorans, his skin pale. Like most Succoran men, he had a thick beard. His hair was dark, almost black. Well, in or out, he shouted. Takes time for the heat to warm the place. Ijar quickly stepped in and closed the door. He pulled his fur hood back and undid his heavy coat. The heat was a welcome respite. Even through his thick fur-lined gloves, the cold still bit his fingers. "'You can hang your coat on the wall there. No one will take it,' the man behind the bar said. "'We pride ourselves on being an honest lot.' A few of the other patrons nodded in agreement. "'I appreciate the hospitality,' Ijar replied. The man smiled. "'That accent! You're Absonian!' he laughed. What in the name of ice floes are you doing all the way up here? Travelling, Eajar replied, making his way to the bar. My friends and I have business this way. Ah, traitor then! He seemed more than happy to hear that. If only you knew who we were, you'd be terrified, friend. Eajar smiled. Sometimes, it depends on how kind the snow is. Indeed, sometimes the snow is merciless, the bartender agreed. Well, our little town is a commodity not commonly found if you're interested. Oh? And what might that be? The bartender pulled a small jar from underneath the counter. Take it whiff for yourself. Ajar looked at the jar suspiciously, then glanced at the bartender. His eyes gave no hint of deception. He took the jar and lifted the lid. The smell of tea leaves filled his nostrils, but there was a hint of something else he couldn't place. Even so, it had a kick to it. You like... I can see the curiosity written on your face, the bartender said. How did you come by this so far north? Surely the conditions here make it impossible to grow. That's our trade secret, friend, the bartender replied. I guarantee you will not find a better quality product in all of Sokoros. I'm inclined to agree. Idra felt his stomach turn. Everything Bodvar had explained on the trip here was true. This Idra he spoke of had a talent for making things grow in the north. Tell me... Do you know a woman by the name of Idra? No, I cannot say that I have, the bartender replied. No one by that name has come through here. Smart enough, at least. That's a shame, for one of my companions is a good friend of hers. We were separated a few days ago after the storm. I'm sorry, my friend, the bartender replied. But if your friend was in that storm, then I fear she may be dead. Idra nodded. That was our fear too, but we still held hope. The bartender softly patted him on the shoulder. Tell your friends I will prepare rooms for them, he said. I don't have the heart. I don't have the heart to charge for shelter to anyone after losing someone in the snows. Ejra smiled. And the ale? The bartender laughed. Ale is another matter. I have to replenish my store somehow. Idra tried to breathe and to keep calm, but mind was already racing fear enveloped her like a fur blanket covering every part of her how could i have been so stupid sigurd wasn't to blame he had no idea but the man asking him questions at the bar seemed to he had to be one of bodvar's blades why are you so far north it wasn't the question she should be asking the town was of no consequence to victor they didn't pay his taxes and truthfully he probably wasn't aware of his existence boudier was too small to make such taxes worth the effort at least five years ago it was If Victor were to tax him now, he might see his coffers increase, but only by a narrow margin. Maybe one of the merchants said something, and Victor sent Bodvar to look around. It would be foolish. The lack of taxes and men to enforce them were an incentive for traders and merchants. It gave them a trade advantage within the larger settlements. No, Idra, that's wishful thinking, she told herself. Looks like our time here may be at its end, little sprite. Alright, the story's getting good. Thanks guys for listening, and I just want to throw two quick things out there. First of all, uh, putting out this bonus content has been a blast. I love partnering with these indie authors, but it does take quite a bit of time and effort on on my part for the recording and editing, Um, so if you would like to help out and uh, make sure that more bonus content keeps being produced, and more just the regular content too, a great way to do that would just be to consider volunteering to edit the podcast. Now, if audio editing isn't something you've done before, I'd be happy to walk you through it. If you'd be willing to volunteer, um, if volunteering is not, uh, something that you feel like you can do right now, another great way is to just click on support this podcast. That's just at anchor.fm slash another world Audiobooks, And you just click on support this podcast. Anything that you can do to contribute toward the podcast is going to go toward me hiring somebody to help me edit the podcast so that I can produce more bonus content like this. So that'd be a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't do any of those, just go ahead and tell people about the podcast. As you spread the word to more people, uh, we get more advertising revenue and that also is going to help me the upgrade the equipment, get you better sound quality, and um, hopefully hire an editor at some point. So, all those uh, any three of those ways is a great way to help. And that is the first thing is just about producing more content. The second thing that I wanted to mention to you guys is that if you or somebody that you know is an indie author and be interested in having your content read on Another World Audiobooks, I am definitely always looking for more partnerships with any authors who are interested in spreading the word about their work. So, love to hear from you. All the contact information is down below. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Another World. Audiobooks at gmail.com or on any of the social medias so thanks so much for listening today guys we'll be uh, back tomorrow with some more bonus content so stay tuned for that thanks for listening Don't worry. You aren't the only one. You aren't the only business that needs help. You aren't the only person that has a hard time finding the right help at the right price. This is where Business Bloodline becomes your bloodline to temporary and permanent staffing. Business Bloodline specializes in hiring internet workers to creatively solve problems for your business. Business Bloodline does all the vetting and only delivers candidates that make sense for your needs and at a cost that you can afford. But 60 seconds isn't enough for me to tell you why hiring through Business Bloodline is safer, cheaper, and less time-consuming. We would rather show you. To get more information or a business consultation, visit businessbloodline.com. If the job can be done on a computer, Business Bloodline can find a match. Visit businessbloodline.com and tell them that you heard about it on Another World Audiobooks to get 10% off your first hire. Remember to mention that you heard about it on Another World Audiobooks to get that 10% off. Businessbloodline.com